And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host, Matt Watson. And today, we're going to nerd out. We're going to talk to Paul Duffy from Amazon Web Services about all things cloud and how you can leverage cloud computing to uh, help your startup. Um, very excited about that. Like I said, I'm ready to, ready to nerd out today. Um, reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Paul, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Great to be joining you. So um, I guess before we get started, um, love to learn a little more about you and your background. And I was looking at on LinkedIn, looks like you've looked, you've worked at Amazon Web Services for a long time. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, I've been um, on and off at Amazon Web Services since 2011. Uh, I say on and off. I was drawn to work in the cloud largely because of, of what I saw it could do for startups, having been a founder of a startup myself. So I've worked for AWS, as I say, I joined in 2011. I've left twice to go to work at startups because the draw of doing that was so high and have come back to AWS both times because the, you know, the, the technical platform is such an interesting thing and it's such an enabling thing for startups. The role I do now and what I've spent most of my time doing at AWS is these solution architecture type of roles. And at AWS, what that means and what that means for my team now is it's a set of technical folks who deeply understand cloud platforms, have a bunch of experience and empathy with startups. And their job is basically to help startups as they're building their product to do that whilst spending as little money and as little time as possible. So it's a pretty cool job. Uh, and I really enjoy it, especially because you know, it's the most exciting set of customers that you could possibly imagine working with and really cool tech as well. And so you'll probably love this. I've used Amazon Web Services. So I, I've been a software developer for like 20 years. I've used Amazon Web Services, but I've actually used Microsoft Azure way more for the last 10 years um, since Microsoft Azure first launched. Um, but I am uh, very, very familiar with uh, AWS as well. And uh, like yourself, I'm a huge proponent of all things cloud. And um, the benefits that it has are absolutely enormous. And I absolutely love that um, AWS provides um, a lot of benefits to startups and companies that are trying to move to the cloud too. Is that something you, you can talk about as well? Yeah, I mean, my focus is maniacal day-to-day um, -day with startups only. And now you look at today, you look at the, the range of different companies use the cloud and you find everybody from the kind of the, the stereotypical two entrepreneurs in a garage or a coffee shop all the way to large enterprise customers. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that's really interesting for technical people and startups is 
you know, I'm, I'm old enough that when I started my career, like my first job was a Saturday job in a local computer shop building, like physically building computers, physically building servers. And when I was building my startup, and this was probably about 2007, 2008, that was still the time where we had to spend a whole bunch of money on tin and servers and a server rack and a generator and all of this kind of stuff. Everything except your actual product and service. Yeah. No, I mean, you say it, and, and it, still, it still pains me to this day that we, unfortunately, statistically, which happens with many startups, unfortunately, we failed and we didn't work out. And it took us so much money just to get to the point where we realized that we were going to fail. Now, I don't know whether our idea was good enough that cloud technology would have, would have changed the outcome in that way. But the thing for particularly these kind of young companies who, by definition, it's not like they have data centers or legacy stuff. They literally start. It could be the two of us in a cafe, in a room with an idea, and then we want to get going. And the cloud was just this kind of natural thing mm-hmm. for startups in the first place, where instead of having to buy all this stuff, you sign up for an AWS account with one of the programs we offer today with Activate. You sign up to Activate and you get credits to, to up to 100,000 credits, uh, depending on the, the sort of investment. To get started on the cloud with no commitment, you might have to pivot your business model a bunch of times if you're trying to find product market fit. And you haven't had to go through this horribly, horribly painful uh, phase of doing the physical building and, and sticking servers in a rack and all that kind of stuff. And then the other thing that, again, for the, the sort of the tech nerd in me looking across the last 10 years or so is when I first joined, and I, I, re- I remember, um, and you might think I'm saying this as an employee, but it's not. This is before I worked for AWS, I remember my first experience with the cloud where it was it was like a science fiction thing almost. It, and I, I just come from this kind of data center environment and it's like, wow, I just launched a server and I'm SSHing into it and then I can destroy it a bit later. Now that was, mag- <laughs> now, that was magical. But at that time, there was still a relatively limited amount of services available to folks and, and there people who using EC2, S3, early versions of RDS and so on. And so, if you'd had to build something on top of that, you the work was definitely easier, but you would still have had to have done the work as technical people. Now, I, I think it is such a good time to be kind of technical folks in startups because with more than like 200 services, 200 different building blocks, if you want to build something doing natural language processing, in the old days, you would have had to have built all the language yeah. models, all that stuff. And so a lot of customers just wouldn't necessarily have bothered doing it, doing it because the the, the slope was so steep kind of thing. Or they would have had to have hired the best kind of um, language processing engineers that many of them couldn't afford. The same kind of thing for uh, as things like containers became a thing. There was a time period where you would have had to have done all the orchestration. And again, for you and me, if we were those, those mythical founders, it's like if we want to hire two engineers, and we all know how hard it is to, to hire engineers, if we have to hire those two engineers, what do we want them working on? Do we want them working on our product or do we want them working on what we call AWS undefined? Yeah, f- figuring out uh, how do we host Redis and set up high availability of that and scalability of that and backing it up and like, no, screw all that, right? Like yeah. I just log into AWS and uh, just enable that as a you know platform as a service type thing. And I just start using it an hour, like a few minutes later, right? Like right. It, that's the great thing about being a developer in this day and age is cloud platforms with these platform as a service type features as a developer, I'm like a kid in a candy store, right? It's like, 
queuing, caching, all these different database technologies, like you said, all the AI, machine learning, all, all that kind of stuff. All these things are like available to me. Right. And the hard part becomes knowing which ones to use and how to use them, right? right. And, and that's a big part of, of where you can provide value to people, right? Right. No, I mean, you mentioned even even more services there. And I, and I think the candy store analogy is one I love because it's so true and it's so different. And almost it's like the, the selection in the candy bar 10 years ago was a, was a few different things. And now it's, it's like such a broad range. Now, on the, the making the decisions thing, this is a, I think this is a really good point. And this is one of the things that my team spends all of they, their days doing. So my first, as humans as we learn, you know, my first startup, as I'm sure your first experience doing this, um, I made a lot of mistakes. I continue to make mistakes. The only thing I, I hope is I don't repeat the same ones. And the first time you're doing a startup, if you've not done it before, you don't have the benefit of a bunch of experience. You, you haven't seen those patterns. You don't, want, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And you know, Andy Jassy, our, our, the CEO of Amazon now, the former CEO of, of AWS, he used to have this phrase that I have slightly stolen and modified, but he would say there's no compression algorithm for experience when he would talk about running a cloud platform because that's a, a hard thing to do. We've learned a lot working with customers as we've built that. Where I think my team can help in some ways is they can be that compression algorithm for experience with the exactly. staff they work with. Because every day, if you're on your one startup, you are working on that technology stack. You are seeing the problems in your business and you are running as fast as you possibly can to get more customers, to go over technical milestones, to get some more funding. My team get the chance to spend time helping all of these startups on, on different architectural challenges day to day. And because they've seen these patterns, they've seen what scale looks like as you go from you know, a consumer startup from zero to 100,000 or to a million users. So they can go to the next customer and talk about those kind of common infrastructure patterns. It's like, hey, this is how you should think about database scaling, or it's okay to do this thing. And it's all, I wouldn't quite describe it as a, it would be rude to describe it as therapy, but in a way, from a technical perspective, there is that kind of thing that you, when you're in these early stages as a startup, you're always having to make imperfect decisions and trade-offs in that, you know, if you, if you build your platform, if you, if you're, say you're in a, you know, an incubator or an accelerator and you're working towards demo day, if you get to demo day and you have the most uh, scalable, decomposed, microservices-orientated architecture that's ready to go for a million customers and you don't actually have a product, probably not going to be a very fun demo day for anybody involved and certainly not from you from the point of getting investment. So one of the things our team is trying to do is say, hey, we'll help you make the pragmatic decision right now. We're going to help you make the, the decisions that will help you for the long term. So, of course, we want to make sure security is priority zero. So we want to make sure what you've deployed is secure. But we also want to help you understand that you, you don't need to build today for the millionth user before you've got anybody on your platform. We'll help you make sure you don't go through one-way doors that's going to leave you in a really difficult situation later on. But we can help because we've seen that thing before because we've, you know, we've been working with startups for a long time since we launched in, in 2006. They're such an important and fun set of customers for us to work with. And we've got a whole team. And it's and that's all the, the challenge is it's really hard when you're first starting out building a product because you make, you make some really important design decisions at the very beginning, right? right. And using the cloud is, is one of them, but whether or not are we going to use 
containers? Is it serverless? Is it, are we just installing it on a VM? But some of the harder decisions actually probably come down to the database and like what database are we using and how are we sharding the database and how do we make the database scale? And, and some of those, like the smallest little decisions that you build around later on are a big deal or really bite you in the butt. And I've been part of that. I've, so I've had two companies that, uh, that were SaaS companies myself that I founded that grew rapidly, that performance and scale were paramount. Like my last company, we were processing billions of data points a day. I mean, we were spending over a million dollars on hosting in the cloud. And so I understand the importance of performance and scale and, and the architecture, right? And, and to your point, it's so hard as a startup understanding the, the, the decisions that you make and you don't want to over-engineer it which a lot of people do, right? They over-engineer it as well. So it's it's always a difficult balancing act. And and I love how you I love that like you can't you can't compress the like the knowledge and experience part of it. And having um experts, you know, like you and, and your team that can help guide startups, I think is extremely valuable. Yeah. And I think the it's funny that you you talk about the the decisions you've made. And I've seen this, you know, I've made these these decisions. It's almost like the the, when I was first founding my startup, one of my mentors said to me, he was like, you're going to fail and you're going to, well, he didn't say absolutely you're going to fail, but he was like, you're going to make mistakes. And I, I was talking about the uh, arrogance of youth in a way. I was like, but you know, I've got this partner, I've got these things and we'll do it. And what he was right about is, yes, there were things that would just happen that couldn't really be predicted. And now with more life experience, I'll probably avoid making some of those. And a lot of this becomes really high judgment. That you, you know, there are, I love analogies. One of the analogies of, of a high growth startup is it's like, like those old video games in the 80s and 90s where you'd see the kind of the platform just falling away from under the little sprite in the game. It's kind of like that with a lot of these company building things where the, the concrete is never dry. Like it's always drying and there's always going to be some refactoring that's going to be around the corner. Now, obviously, you, you, no one wants to paint themselves into a corner, but there are all these kind of trade. It's like it's just the world of trade-offs where you you've got to get to that next milestone. And how do you get that balance just right between scalability that's not going to cost you another twenty weeks of build time, for example, and knowing that you will probably have to do refactoring. And then the you know the, the other thing is like no business school class can teach anybody this. That the thing that has been particularly you know with um, some of the business to consumer startups where Someone comes up with an idea that, and this is probably why I'll never be an investor. Someone comes up with an idea that if they told me that, that idea in a coffee shop, I'd probably think it was crazy. And then six months later, it's like the top app in the app store kind of thing. And it's a complete crazy. Crazy how that works, huh? No one. like I'm going to rent out yeah. I'm gonna rent out my couch to random dudes to come sleep on. Like, who the hell would think of And then it's a, it's a thing. Like, people, it's a thing. Couch surfing, it's a thing. Like. And, it's crazy and, the thing that people pitch, though. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I mean it's always like hindsight. Now it's such all these things are so obvious. But one, one of um, one of the things I love about startup customers is just it's educational for you as a human, and that you just learn about these different ideas. Yeah. Um, one startup that is based in Canada that was just fascinating to watch recently was one you may have or may not have heard of called Wombo, and Wombo's app. You um, t- you should try it. You, t- you take a picture on your camera. Um, and it lip syncs you using some AI stuff that's built to a bunch of different pop songs. And if someone told me that idea without seeing the app and experiencing it, I might have raised my eyebrows. But 
trying it and just seeing in in the, the dark times of a pandemic with a lot of people being isolated, the kind of the joy and, and fun that that brought to a lot of people was just fascinating. Uh, and uh, there's a version, it would have been very easy for people to sit sit around and say, that's a crazy idea. Why? How is that ever going to take off? You don't need to worry about scale because no one's going to use your platform. And then overnight, <laughs> yeah. it becomes this viral sensation that no business plan is ever going to have predicted. And so you, yep. you kind of have to be used to, like the concrete thing, you're always going to have to be stepping and, and moving and constantly moving forward versus a you know, a 20 to 30-year-old SMB business, for example, where it's like, no, actually, we kind of know what every year looks like, and it's pretty consistent, and there's some growth, but it's not it's not that overnight craziness. Well, and, that, and that's the key advantage to using platforms like AWS, right, is, okay, I'm getting a lot of traffic. How do I, how do I scale this thing up, right? Eventually, I log into AWS, and I say, okay, I need to go from one server to 10, and I just push a button, and I got 10. Or as a developer, I'm like, oh, we need to do more with caching. And like AWS can immediately, you know, we can just turn on caching and we can write a few lines of code and start caching some stuff and handle more traffic, right? Like, or I can switch the type of database I'm using or scale up the database I'm using. Like, there's all these things at your disposal that you can do where back in the old days for me, it was like, um, we only have so many servers and I got to order one from Dell. And then I got to do this major outage to install a new SAN and do this big VMware upgrade and like, yeah, it's a giant nightmare and nobody wants to deal with that shit. And so the cloud made so much of this so much easier. Like I can't imagine ever not using the cloud. Well, it, it, and it's funny, it's funny that I think that you, you and I obviously from this conversation both actually have that experience. Like I remember we'll yeah. wait in the, in the parking lot of my startup's office for the, the UPS driver to arrive with a surfer. That, that's like, that was literally. Yeah. Now, I had a funny experience, and this is this goes into the, the, the next part of serverless stuff I want to talk, start talking about, where um, we had some interns in our team this last summer, and we um, we took them to we took them out to lunch, and one of the interns was um, chatting to me, and he he was saying he's saying, "What does a server look like?" And he's like, "I've never seen a server. You know, is it rectangular or is it square <laughs> or, or that kind of thing?" and in a way, that's such a sort of, it's such a kind of, well, duh, I mean, obviously kind of thing. And in, in, in this, this, this gentleman had studied computer science, but for his generation, why would they ever think of using a server? And yeah. the cloud is, is just the obvious thing. But then even within that, you know, one of, one of the things that's just the, the, the it's kind of a, an unusual thing, and it's a fun thing about this job. It goes back to something that um, Adam Slipsky, who's our CEO now, said early on in, in my career, where he he was saying, we want our customers to pay us the smallest amount of money possible for the services that they use. And I love the fact that me or my team can go to a customer. It's like, if we can cut your bill in half, we'll do it now. And if we can cut it even more than that, that's what we'll do. And there's there's kind of two sort of gross ways of looking at this that Number one was the old world where our startups may have been in when we had to buy tin and spend money on servers. And going to do that in the cloud was revolutionary because now we're paying for the hour. Now you're paying things for the kind of the the minute or the second. But then there's also the next generations and the generations will come after that. But when we launched um, AWS Lambda at reInvent in 2014, that was kind of the next level type of thing that's saying, hang on a second, why do you even need a server? Just running this serverless architecture, you're now paying by the milliseconds of execution time. One, um, One customer I worked with 
um, called Steady. It's a really interesting startup that's disrupting EDI, hence, hence the name. They had been, Zach Cantor, the, the founder there, is a, a technical guy, and he was just quite a visionary in how he thought about doing serverless stuff. Because for him, it was like, we're a new startup. If I ever have to deploy a server, forget for a second whether it's in the cloud or not, why would I do that? Why would I not rather go for this serverless stuff whenever, whenever I can? Yeah. And, and I think when you look at some of the largest startups today, sometimes we get younger startups and they're like, oh, we want to talk to these people who did it three years ago, four years ago. How, we, we want to know how they did it. And sometimes if you go and talk to those more mature startups, they're like, you shouldn't listen to us because what we did three years ago, we would not do now because what's available to us is very different. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's like the, the, the thing that you know, my, my team's kind of, it's part of their job to, to, to sort of advance the state-of-the-art architecture is as we get the chance to start with a lot of these companies who are literally at the earliest possible stages, it's like we want you to do the minimum amount of work possible. So if we can get you using Lambda, we can get you using API Gateway, we can get you using containerized stuff, and as little infrastructure as possible and spending the smallest amount of money. That is so satisfying. And, and then the other thing is, for if you're a startup, you don't have that legacy. Like You, you don't have a whole team of people who are like, oh, wow, we're going to have to get out of the data centers. What, what's that going to do to the things I'm used to? What mm -hmm. about my networking team who know how to configure the Cisco routers? It, it's just refreshing for those people because like the guy, the guy I just talked about, he's coming out of the university. He'll do a startup maybe at some point, and it's like, why would he ever? He he doesn't even have the construct, yeah, servers and data centers my, in his mind. So my last company, we spent over a million dollars a year on cloud hosting. We didn't have a single like server admin, system admin employee, not one. Yeah, it was all in the cloud. And to your point, our focus was always deploying the apps, right? Like we wanna we wanna use services like AWS, Elastic Beanstalk, or Fargate, or all these types of services where. We're just deploying our app and we don't care about the servers at all. We just tell AWS, like, hey, we need seven instances of these things and they're small servers or large servers. Just make it happen. However it happens, make it happen, right? Like, that's the beauty of it. And, like, we don't have to deal with the infrastructure, like, any of it. So it's it's a it's a very wonderful thing. Um, I do want to take a minute to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. I also want to give a, a huge shout out to AWS um, because I really appreciate um, your the, the 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 programs you guys have for startups. And here in Kansas City, I know um, you guys have been to several events that I've been to and given away big, uh, like huge amounts of credits to uh, local startups here. And just big thank you for that. Um, I, I know as somebody who spent like millions of dollars on on cloud hosting before, and we were an anomaly, by the way. I mean, most people probably spend hundreds or thousands of dollars a month. I mean, we, we were massive scale. Um, we were an anomaly, but, um, you know, the money that you guys provide people is huge. And, and for a lot of people, honestly, the credits could probably last them one, two, three, four years, even like the, the, I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing how inexpensive using the cloud can be and the credits that you guys provide go can go a very long ways. So it's much appreciated. I, I really appreciate what you guys do for the startup community. Yeah, and I mean, even combined with that, I mean, that's one of the, and it sounds unexpected to some people, but what, one of the most important things the team does is helps people spend those credits as slowly as possible. And if we can, if, yeah, we can do that. On, on your program thing, I mean, one of the, 
this, this the focus on startups for us isn't part-time. So everybody on my team and the broader team of account management people, of business development people are working in the startup community and it's a full-time job. It's not like in the few hours of the day that we have spare where, where we're not working with enterprises. It's like everyone on this team kind of has startup in their, in their title because that's what they do. And beyond the community thing, we have a bunch of programs. I mean, one thing that we just um, launched a couple of weeks ago in, in April was the Impact Accelerator. Uh, and that is a program that uh, we're investing $30 million for startups that are led by underrepresented founders. So Black, Latino, LGBTQIA and, and women founders. And for those startups, not only are they are getting up to $100,000 in service credits for the platform, they're also getting $125,000 in cash and a whole kind of set of other things that help them, business guidance, technical guidance, a peer community. We're going to take them to Seattle where they build a, a customized agenda for the, the, the stuff that they want to get out of the accelerator. They'll repeat that in New York. They'll pay for the, the, the members who are going to, to do that kind of thing. But you know, we've the, the cloud has been that thing from 2006 by totally changing the game. In the, in the old days, you had to have money. Like if you didn't have access to capital and the network and that kind of stuff, you were massive amount of capital. Yeah, you were potentially. I mean, most, I mean, it. I mean, back in that day, it could be like, oh, you need tens of thousands of dollars just to buy like the infrastructure and servers that you may need, right? Like, oh, I need a SAN, and then I need multiple servers because I need high availability, so I need more than one SAN, even, right? Like, if if you're trying to do things the right way, it was very, very expensive. Right. Buying the network equipment and racking Ooh. it and stacking it and configuring it and Ooh. all the software licenses and everything else. It was crazy. I still have the scars. And, and that's the thing that like in, in, in 26, 2006, we felt the game was really changed for startups because now literally it's like sign up for the account, get some credits and you can get going. And also it's like the little dog, like the, the tiny little dog with a, with a megaphone that makes it sound like a, a, a big, deep voiced, bigger dog. But the cloud enables those folks to do that because they're getting the same new high quality infrastructure that anybody that like Amazon scale could, could build. And we've helped you. Know, yeah. You name it, you talk about Airbnb, Stripe, um, Snowflake, all of these companies that have been built in that way. And you, know, this program is just part of continuing to level that playing field so that founders who always have the most interesting ideas can grow those businesses, regardless of their gender, their sexual orientation, their ethnicity or, or their race. So we've had our, landmark kind of activate program that's available to a very very broad range of startups and again that gives up to a hundred thousand dollars of credits um whether you're a kind of a bootstrapped entrepreneur or you've got investment through an accelerator or an incubator or a vc firm but with this so can it, so can anybody get act uh apply for aws activate that's what's called right yeah so activate is the program and that gives people access to a multitude of different things aws credits um, it's got a, a console experience that gives people technical templates to help them get started um, as quickly as they can. And to the point you were talking about with all the decisions they have to make, it makes that simple. It gives them access to um, third-party offers. And there are a few different configurations so that, I mean, that headline amount, it's up to $100,000, so not everybody gets that. But our, our idea is that you, you, you and, if you and I were bootstrapped founders, we can apply, we can apply to the kind of the founders tier without having to have external investment. And then as our idea gets traction, we get investments from the, the kind of the, um, the community of investors that gets access to more benefits with Activate. But what we're specifically doing with the Impact Accelerator, which is this thing that we launched in April, this is for this 
meaningful $30 million commitment for startups led by underrepresented founders, which not only does it get those people in Activate to try and level the playing field and give them the credits, but it gives them cash and it gives them a whole host of um, other benefits too. Um, and no doubt that we'll continue to kind of build on So that. is that more of a, a competition or how, how does that work for these, for these companies that want to apply for the impact part of this? Yeah, no, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it's a, I wouldn't describe it as a competition. Um, it's, we're calling it the AWS Impact Accelerator. And yes, um, folks have to apply. So applications are open for the first round that will kick off in June, and that will have 25 US-based startups. So those folks submit their applications. There's a you know, pretty diverse and, and well-represented panel that, that will do that. But after that point, we are there to basically try and accelerate those. So, for example, they'll be in Seattle, depending on what their startup is. It could be B2C, it could be to B2B, it could be that they've got really hard technical problems, it could be that they've got distribute problems, you name it. And they'll be able to kind of work out this customized technical curriculum. So we will be sitting there to help them along that path and to accelerate them. Now, the 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 sort of the the disappointing statistic for any startup is the most likely outcome is probably not going to be success. And also, if you were, if you didn't have this big crazy idea that you know you'd probably be going and doing it in an established field, but we are there. We're investing deeply to level that playing field to, and to surround those folks with the assistance. That hopefully it's at least going to mean that the technical, all of the technical challenges of that, um, I take I kind of minimised as much. So my team will be helping out. Our business development people will be helping out. We've got a whole bunch of SMEs and mentors of you know every kind of description you could think of to, to help. And that's just an additional thing that we're doing in the community because uh, startups are so important. Well, it's fantastic that you guys are, you know, not only have the Activate program, but also have this this impact program. And, um, you know, as, as like I said, somebody myself who spent a ton of money on, uh, on cloud hosting, and was, you know, my company was able to take advantage of some of this type of, of incentive stuff before was a huge deal. I mean, you know, when you're first starting out and you don't have a lot of money or maybe you've raised a small seed round from friends and family or whatever, um, at least knowing that you don't have to spend, you know, maybe a few thousand dollars on hosting over the, over the next few months as you're trying to get this off the ground. It's a big deal. It's it's a huge deal. So uh, thank you guys so much for for doing that. And and uh, I, I know once people start using your service, they like never go away. So I know this is a, a great, a great thing for you guys too. Um, and, um, you, you know, you guys have been the leader in the, the cloud from the very beginning. So, well, we're, we're, I mean, yeah, we're, for your situation, we're glad it was helpful. I mean, for, for us, our thing, I mean, we've got these leadership principles, customer obsession is the, the kind of number one that comes to mind for folks, which is working backwards from our customers to do the right thing. Yeah, we, we want to build these long-term relationships. And, and part yeah. of our, our mode is like, if, if we have a choice between you spending $10 and $5, we'll always make it the five. And if we can reduce it lower um, because we can improve your architecture, that is what we do. Um, and that's just, that's just kind of a fun thing to be able to go and do with customers. It's like, how can we, how can we cut your bill in half or a quarter? And um, I've, I've been on the other side of that where you accidentally enable something and then you get a bill for like ten thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been on that side of it too, where you where as a developer you have all these tools available to you, right? And you're like, oh, I'm gonna enable this extra logging or this extra database tier or scale up or whatever, and then you forget about it and you're like, well, and that's and it's Oof. kind of it's kind of funny that that's one of that's one of the things that we are focused on doing at the 
you know, meeting and working with these customers as early as we can, whether that's at a scale thing or it's uh, later on. So, for example, when you when you start with Activate, we a couple of things that we want to tell you to do, for example, one might be, you know, enabling multi-factor authentication on your account to make sure you're starting off with the best security posture yeah. possible. And then the second thing is, you know, setting up a, a, a budget, uh, an AWS budget, so that you'll get an alarm. Yep. So you won't be able to to do that because. Yep. Funny that like those are always the you have the conversation and, and someone's like oh of course I want to you know of course I want to set this thing up and of course I'll do that and, and we're just trying to almost like the um, helping people eat healthily from the start kind of thing it's like let's do these two things first let's teach you about these most important things so that we don't um, we don't um, have folks having surprises that they we don't well, have keeps customers happy surprises. right yeah I mean the last thing you want is for people to get a surprise or feeling like, oh man, we're paying so much money on this thing. Maybe I should look around. You know, you want, you want people to be happy. And uh, we use AWS at full scale at our company. And um, I've used the cost management tools a bunch of times and uh, reservations to save us money and all that stuff. And uh, glad you guys do all that, have great tools. So really appreciate it. Good. Glad it works for you. So, um, so how else can um, startups take advantage of AWS and you know all the all the different things that you guys have. Are there are there other side other things besides Activate and and um, these programs, the Impact program? Are there other things that uh, people should know about? Yeah, I mean, as well as the um, the the Impact Accelerator and Activate, we also have certain specific accelerators. So we have one for space, for example. We have one for sustainable cities, and those are those are kind of best way of describing them is they're kind of trying to cluster customers together who have similar use cases so that they can be put in a room of people to who are experts and so on. Um, so th- those are a couple of things. Other ways to connect with us. So we've got a couple of physical AWS lofts that we call them, these startup lofts, which are right now we've got two in the US. One of them is in New York and one of them is in San Francisco. And they are kind of spaces for startup customers to come and do a whole variety of things, come and get information, meet people from my team, uh, some amount of co-working events. And and also the, the kind of the thing, I think something that a lot of people have missed over the past few years, just a chance to network with folks. We have representation at all of the kind of the AWS summits. So these are free two-day events that we do in a bunch of different places. We just did one in San Francisco um, a couple of weeks ago. We've got one in Atlanta coming up. We do them in New York, Toronto, you know, all the kinds of cities that you'd expect um, where you have kind of a population of startups. And they are free events with, uh, you can get everything from kind of networking to technical sessions to come and talk to technical people in a kind of one-to-one, ask the experts kind of thing. Um, but Activate, I mean, Activate is the sort of the biggest single program, if you like. And, and anybody who's a startup who hasn't joined Activate, we'd, we'd say to you, please join. And that's our way to to kind of keep involved with you from a kind of a programmatic scale point of view. We have a virtual version of a loft that's all about programming for startup specific stuff. And again, like how can you how can you reduce your AWS bill and be as cost optimized as possible? How can you think about serverless architectures that are going to be the right thing to do? How should you think about containers? And again, all of that stuff that um, some some customers might have a chance to interact with the team directly. Um, on a kind of one-to-one in-person basis. Some people might not have the time to do that. So we're trying to, to deliver all of that stuff to customers at the the the, way, the, the place and time that makes sense for, for them. Um, so yeah, Activate, Activate definitely being the kind of the, the lead program there. 
So how do so how do you see the future of the cloud and and AWS's services and and how people are using them today? Do you do you see serverless as really being the the future or you know, was that kind of a, a wave and, and now maybe things are still kind of going a little bit back to like containerization or, you know, what, what do you kind of see the future for for developers and how they deploy their apps? So I don't know that I, I don't know that I have a superb crystal ball that's going to definitively answer that. I think that serverless is definitely not a wave. And it was funny, actually, I was, t- I was talking to um, one of the leaders in the, the serverless organization who came to talk to my team at an internal all hands we had the other day. And we were kind of reflecting that when we launched Lambda in 2014, the, the, the term serverless wasn't really an existing thing at that point. And we launched a couple of different services at that, that event. Uh, we launched Aurora, which was our um, you know, MySQL compatible, mm-hmm. super um, high performance, low cost database. We launched the EC2 container service for container orchestration, and we launched Lambda. Now, Aurora, kind of was an obvious thing to people. It's like, okay, it's a, it's a relational database thing. It's got awesome storage um, and reliability, performance, and price characteristics. It's like, I get that. Um, EC2 container service, again, made sense because containers were becoming and continue to become popular with that, whether it's ECS, whether it's Kubernetes and powered by Fargate underneath. Lambda was an interesting one because I think it wasn't quite entering that sort of defined space. And... One of the it was things, sort of an experiment at, the, at yeah. that point, right? And, and we and now we'd we'd work back from customers because you know the the thing went from customers of like okay we don't want to run servers in in a physical data center okay cool well we've we've, we've given the ability to do it in the cloud um, you know we want persistent storage with um, different performance mm-hmm. levels okay we've improved DBS we've we've added all of this and so with Lambda in some ways it was responding to this thing that customers were like no one ever grew up thinking I want to run a server kind of thing it, it's like that. That was not what they wanted to do. And so it was very interesting that after we launched Lambda, just seeing the reaction from customers was kind of awesome. And these new serverless architectures started to become more and more popular. So I definitely don't think it's a wave. I also don't think that things switch overnight in in a business as big as the cloud, because we don't just have startup customers running in the cloud. We've got enterprise customers. We've got people who are migrating mainframes into the cloud. So it's not like a, I mean, I think for startup customers, if you were starting on day one, you have this beautiful clean sheet where you don't have any legacy. So you could start with serverless. And, and I think my team, when they're advising customers, it's it's like, yeah, if that's the way that you can start and it'll meet your needs, don't run any, don't run any service. So, and I think we're probably just going to see more and more of a trend of more and more abstraction and less and less of the kind of the lower level heavy lifting and you and you can you can even see that like since 2006 since i started in, in 2011 to now like if i'd started my startup in um 2011 it's like wow ec2 s3 rds all these kinds of things if i was starting my startup and if any of my team are listening to this i'm not planning to quit again and go and do a startup but part of me is, is just so excited by that because the candy store analogy that you give is all of this high level abstraction and if you if you go to talk to us if you go to, if you go to talk to a startup that was founded in like 2011 2012 and you kind of open the hatch and you look at some of their tech stack and you look at some of the stuff that they've had to they've had to build they would not build that now if they were were starting today but they didn't really have any option at the time the same way that if you went 10 years past you talk to startups who built data centers who didn't really want to do it but they didn't have a choice so 
I don't know that I don't know that I have like a super fine-grained answer for predicting exactly what the future is, or maybe I'd be a, a startup investor. But I think we're just going to this this tide is going to continue to yeah. continue to to rise and make it easier and easier for it's, to do lots uh, of that low-level stuff. I mean, so much about software development these days feels almost like um, more like assembly. It's like all these things exist out there, and I'm just putting them together to build a solution, right? And like the different building blocks, yeah. Like we're we're, we're we're using all these open source packages and yeah. frameworks and tools and the cloud to kind of assemble our, our product the way we need it. And, you know, AWS is a, is a big part of that. And the struggle sometimes is trying to figure out which pieces to use, right? Like on your website, even from a database perspective, you have RDS, Dynamo, DB, Redshift, you know, memory DB, document DB. And then there's like, of course, Postgres and Oracle and all these things. And that's the, that's the only problem as developers sometimes just figuring out how to navigate this, like what, what product to use. Right. But the great thing is you guys provide all of them. It's all there. And it's, it's sometimes it's the struggle as the developers just trying to figure out which one do I use. Right. And that, and my team works very hard on that to be that kind of um, it's, I don't want to use the word concierge because it sounds like it simplifies the job they do, but their job is a lot of the time. Like you look at the, and we try and do this in a scale way, but you look at the, um, you look at the interactions that work the best sometimes where a solution architect is, is in a room with a startup customer with a whiteboard. And it's like, tell me about the, tell me about the things you try to achieve. And then they're like, this is the, this is the way that I think it's pragmatically the right thing to do for you. Now, we also always like to make sure we give customers really broad choice. And that's one of the reasons why we have, we work back on these customers. And it's almost like the, you know, the, the, the compounding pharmacy where the, pharmacist can walk around and kind of choose the compounds that they want to mix together into the treatments that, the, that is the right thing for the customer is one way, one, one way to think of, about it. So we want to give those people who are really depth experts in these different areas a lot of laterality to make the choice that they want to, move, that they want to make. But then also a lot of the work that we do with solution, solution architecture stuff that we publish, uh, repeatable architectures for customers is so that we, we want to accelerate them. So we don't want we certainly don't want customers kind of coming into the store, so to speak, and being overwhelmed and, and yeah. spinning their wheels. Or, especially for the startups, what, what we really don't want those startups to do is go down this path and then six weeks later they're like, oh, wow, I now, I, I, now, I, I was not planning to refactor now, uh, but I just hadn't thought about this. And I yeah. And my, my team's job is to like get in. Sometimes we can actually physically be in the room with them. Sometimes it's on a... On a on a, on a video call, sometimes it's going to be some kind of scale thing through the Activate program that says, hey, look, we've seen this pattern before. Let us help you. Uh, we want you to do this you know, better, faster, cheaper, more secure kind of thing. Uh, and that's what we're kind of and, us to do. And that's one of the problems as developers that we have, right, is we chase shiny objects and we're like, okay, we're going to use AWS. I'm going to try all 27,000 different services they have and become an expert, all of them, and build this beautiful DevOps pipeline that does all this stuff and whatever. And it's like, Hey dude, maybe you should have just deployed your app. Oh, I mean, you know, my, <laughs> one, of, one, of, one, of, one of my favorite stories about this, is, you know, a, a, start, a dev tool startup I was at, um, we had a lot of container orchestration to do and our product, our kind of product wasn't really meeting the needs of customers and we were not getting closer to product market fit. And, and one of our lead engineers, who's a great, great individual wanted to build this kind of, beautiful container orchestration system um you could have probably used ecs or something else instead but the thing is that would have that would have kind of made us have to go and, and have the unpleasant conversations with customers who thought who thought our product wasn't ready 
Um, and like, yes, it's, I've done it. I mean, when, when I was doing my startup years ago, I was, um, I was kind of hand configuring buying service because it was kind of quite fun. I, I should have just <laughs> used some managed service and I should have got on with getting towards product market fit. And I did yeah. do that, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, nerding <laughs> out with those. Um, yep. Well, once again, a big thank you to um, AWS and everything you guys do and the AWS Activate. Um, thank you to start um, Full Scale for sponsoring today's episode, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Um, please uh, join the Startup Hustle chat on Facebook and join us for some enlightening uh, entrepreneurial conversations. Um, Matt, of course, he's always stirring the pot there and uh, starting some fun conversations. So please join us. Um, Paul, really enjoy having you on the uh, on the on the podcast today. Uh, again, big thank you to uh, what you guys do for startups. Um, so we we talked a lot about AWS Activate. Um, what's the best best way to find that? Um, just search the internet for AWS Activate. I'm search gonna guess. Head over to aws.amazon.com. Activate. Sign up. Find it all. Find it all there. And then you you guys have this other special um, thing you're doing right now. Um, so remind us about that again as well. Yeah, that's the um, AWS Impact Accelerator. So that's the uh, initiative for underrepresented founders. And you'll see a link to that if you go to the if you go to aws.amazon.com wax startups, uh, you'll find okay, perfect. Uh, you'll find a link to that there. And we'd encourage anybody, anyone who's uh, qualifies is interested to apply, uh, apply to get into that. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, being on today. And uh, thank you so much for, for what you guys do for the cloud and startups. And uh been a big benefit to me in my career. And like I said, we, we use AWS at full scale. And another company I work at, we use AWS every day. So uh, big thank you for what you guys do. Love it. We're glad to help. And yeah, really enjoyed talking to you. All right. Take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.